morning. Glad you're here this morning. We are continuing our message series on questions, questions for Jesus. And in the series, what we're doing is we're asking major questions that people have about Jesus and Christianity, and we're letting him answer the questions based on his teaching. So we're hearing what he has to say uh, about himself and about questions that come up about following him. Last week, we talked about the uniqueness of Jesus and spent time walking through statements he made himself uh, about himself, about his own identity. Most of us want answers in the 21st century, and we don't really have to wait long for a lot of the answers. The other day, I, I needed to know where the fuse box was on my 2006 Corolla. I couldn't find it wasn't where it normally is, so I googled it. Hey, there's pictures, there's a video, shows you right where it is. I mean, boom, very quickly. We can Google just about anything, and within seconds, we, we have answers. A lot of answers. I, I googled answers to questions about Christianity. In 64 seconds, I had 27.8 million hits on the Internet, so a lot of options for answers. Um, because of the nature of that topic, answers questions about Christianity, uh, there aren't really instant answers. It's going to take longer to get the answers to questions about that. We've got to give ourselves to the search. We've got to dive in and really commit to the search. But the answers are there, and that, that's why we're walking through some of the major questions and looking at the answers in, in, this, in this series uh, you're going to need to think about things and consider things maybe in, in ways that you haven't to arrive at the answers, so you have to really engage in the search. But th- this is the way it is in real life as we run into real life circumstances and situations. For instance, we want clarity when it comes to medicine. We we want to know, you know, what the deal is if we have a an illness or a condition of some kind. You know, personally, I, I want a clear diagnosis. I want to know what's going on. And that is the first step, in my mind, to the path to healing. If I can get a good diagnosis, if I can figure out what's going on, then I can be on my way to healing. But sometimes this takes time. And honestly, a Google search can cloud the issue. I've done that. Okay, I've had problems going on. And you search it and you realize, oh, no, I'm dying. I'm about to I'm about to keel over here. What's going on? Or I've got some horrible illness and it's never going to go. So, you know, that that actually clouds the issue. You know, you go to the doctor. and He's like, no, Randy, you're not dying. It's just this, you know, take this pill or whatever it is that fixes it. Um, You need a doctor you can trust who can prescribe, he can diagnose and prescribe the medicine, give you some clarity, really, on what's going on medically, if, if you have questions. And then he, he helps you move on toward healing, if possible. When it comes to spiritual matters, uh, clarity seems so daunting and elusive. Uh, it just seems very difficult to arrive at. And... Often, if you claim to have clarity in religious matters or spiritual matters in that realm, you're viewed as narrow-minded. 
Who's to say that you're right and they're wrong, or I'm right and you're wrong, or whatever? The question behind the title, Why So Exclusive, is whether or not Jesus is the only way to God. For some of us here, we're just not sure about that. We're not convinced. There are many good people who are not Christ followers. So how, how could they not be on the right path? Why is that? You may, may have met Christians, and they're no better than others you know. So what does that say about Christianity being the only way? I mean, you, you know, some, some Christians aren't that great. If it doesn't make much of a difference in their life, how, how could it be the only path? How could it be the true path? For others of us, we, we believe Jesus is the way, and possibly we believe he's the only way, but we're not so confident in that, and we shy away from sharing our beliefs because we don't want to come across as judgmental. We, we just don't. Um, after a while, if we take this tactic and lead to doubt, because acceptance and tolerance, as defined currently, in the media is easier to swallow and communicate than Christianity is the only way. So just to be clear, uh, the question we're considering this morning is this one. Is Jesus the only way to God? That, that's what we're trying to think through. Are there many paths to get to heaven, uh, to live eternally in the presence of God and have eternal life? Or is Jesus really the only way? Uh, my friend Josh, who was on staff here for several years and then launched out and planted the church in Riverside, was telling me about a friend who eventually became a Christian. But when they first met, the friend said, I don't understand how anyone could believe in a God who is the owner of an exclusive club. That, that was his perspective. That's, that's a common idea. That's a common perspective this day. In his view... He saw that everyone is trying to reach the top of the mountain. Everybody's trying to get to the top. We all just take different routes to get there. There are different ways to the top. They take Mount Baldy, for instance. See it? I think you might be able to see it this morning, right outside those doors. There are a few ready-made paths that people have carved out uh, for us that lead to the top. Or I guess if you got, if you got the wherewithal, you could carve your own path to the top and. And all of the paths lead to the top. They lead to the same place. And what happens often is that same logic is applied to uh, religion. All religions lead to the same place. That's the thought. That's common in our world. Since we're letting Jesus speak for himself, we're going to find out if that approach works based on what he said about himself and what, what he claimed in his own words. So in John 14, 1 through 7, Jesus is speaking to his disciples just hours before he's going to be arrested, he's going to be tried, he's going to be beaten brutally and crucified for his claims, for what he was saying about himself, what he was saying about God. Uh, a few days before this, he had predicted his own uh, death and resurrection. And then he tells his disciples that one of them, I mean, he's, he's laying this out there. I'm, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be tried. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be crucified. 
Um, he's laying it out there. One of you, by the way, one of you guys, the 12, one of the 12 closest followers, his closest friends, one of them is going to betray him. So he's, he's laying this out there and they're getting worried, frankly. They're, you know, if you're, if you're tied to a guy, you've been with him for three years straight and he, he begins to get the attention of the government as a person who is, uh, creating an insurrection and a revolution, you know, you're getting a little worried. Hey, this is going to happen. They're going to come get me. And, and they're starting to think, hey, what does that mean? What does that mean for me? You know, what is, am I going to live through, am I going to make it? What's going to happen? What's going on with this? So Jesus loves these guys. I mean, he's been with them for Three years, they, they've invested this time. He's been training them on how to follow. He's, he's been showing them God's love and what it means to really love the people around you. So Jesus wants to bring some reassurance to these guys. And, and this is what he says. This is where we are in John 14, 1 through 7. Let not your hearts be troubled. Boy, they were they were churning right now. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house in heaven are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. He's, he's leaving earth. He's, he's going to die. He's going to be buried. He's going to be resurrected. He's going to heaven. He promises to come back and get his disciples. And then he says, and, and you know the way where I'm going. Thomas, I love Thomas. I can identify with Thomas. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Now, I like that. You ever get caught surprised in a conversation? You say, did, what? Did I hear it? What? How? Did you, what'd you say? I'm supposed to know this? That's, that's me. I mean, in a lot of conversation, I'm a little slow. So I'm trying to catch up. Thomas did that uh, a lot. He, he, he's trying to catch up. He says, so we should know where you're going. He was often referred to as a doubter. I think he just had good, good questions trying to figure it out, you know. Um, but anyway, Jesus said to him, this is Jesus' answer. I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm the only way. I'm the only way to heaven, to the Father's presence, to God's presence for eternity. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. Another statement about his identity. We looked at some of those last week. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. You've known me, so now you, you know God. I, I am God, I'm, I'm one with God. I'm one with the Father. So in Jesus' own words, he answers the question we're asking. Jesus said he was the only way to God. Look again at verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, he, he doesn't point people to a certain set of duties to get to the Father's house to the room prepared for them, certain duties, teaching to, describe, to subscribe to. He doesn't give any religious hoops to jump through. 
He doesn't create this long list of good works that you have to accomplish in your life. But instead, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's, it's me. You, you decide to follow me. You turn from going your own way, and you decide to follow me, and you follow me on into eternity. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. The idea that Jesus is the only way came from his lips. <laughs> and it's not popular today. It is not a popular idea. We can see that his statement, though, flows from a heart of compassion for his friends. He's speaking to his closest followers. They are friends that he loves dearly. They're shaken by what he's saying, by the future, the near future. So they're, they're shaking. He knows that his death is imminent in the plan of God. And his statement here is a statement of deep compassion, not arrogance. It would be arrogance if, if he wasn't who he said he was. But deep compassion. He's, he's showing compassion for his friends. And it all goes back to Jesus' identity. It, it goes back to last week, what we were talking about last week. If Jesus is actually God himself, like he claimed, then this is a matter of truth, not opinion. He's, he's sharing the truth here. That's a different category. It's arrogant to say that my opinion is better than yours. But there is a reality and a truth outside of my opinion that everyone has to deal with because it's reality, like the law of gravity. I mean, it'd, it'd be foolish. Hey, you think you can jump off the building and be okay. That's not reality. So there's, there's this truth, and that's the category that, that Christianity fits in. Imagine a couple taking their child to the doctor and they find out that their baby has jaundice. It's pretty common. Uh, the doc explains that the baby will get better if you put the baby under some lights uh, for a specific amount of time, and then everything will be okay. He also gives a warning about the damage that could occur, probably to cover all the bases. <laughs> He's giving a warning about all the long-term damage that occur if you just let this go and you don't take care of it. Now, at this point, it would be extremely arrogant to think, I know better. I'm going to find another way. I don't want my child to have to suffer under the light. If they suffer, I don't know. But I'm going to figure this out for myself. I know the doc, you know, I appreciate what you're saying, doctor. That's nice, but I'm going, to, I'm going to figure this out myself. The fact is, we're grateful when a doctor knows the truth and gives us the right diagnosis and lays out the consequences of not following. That would be ludicrous to, to, to not do what the doctor says. This is what Jesus was doing here. It was a statement filled with compassion, just like a doctor who tells us how to take care of things. He wanted us to know how to get to heaven, and he made it crystal clear. He wanted no one to doubt what the path was. Jesus, in his own words, out of love for all people, told us that he's the only way to God. He's, he's the only way. After his resurrection and ascension into heaven, his followers taught the same thing. Those 12 guys, they understood exactly what he said. And they were under severe pressure to recant, to cave, 
They were being threatened to keep quiet. And Jesus' followers preached this very same thing. Acts 4, 12, you see, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given, among men by which we must be saved. This, this is clarity. <laughs> Jesus was clear. His followers had clarity. His first followers understood what he said, and they taught the same thing. This, this limits our options severely when it comes to Jesus Christ and whether or not all the options are available out there. Based on what Jesus and his first followers said, we can't decide that Christianity is one option among many equally valid options. A popular stream of thought today, and I think this is how we end up where we end up when we say that all roads lead to the same place or all the options are equally valid, is uh, the stream of thought is that religion is primarily a psychological experience. And since this is a popular belief, many people think that you can design your own view of God, your own religion. And some think this primarily because they view religion as uh, on the level of a placebo or a sugar pill or something. You know, if, if it works for you, then that's great. But it works not because it's true and real, but because you think it is. That's that's why it works. It's not based in reality, but you take the religion pill or the Christianity pill and it really helps you out. So it's a crucial first step to put Christianity in the right category. And that's what I want to take some time to do, because everybody's an expert on their own experience. I mean, I, if I have an experience, I'm an expert on it. I was there. You may you probably weren't there. I'm an expert on my own experience. If Christianity is, is primarily experiential and psychological, something in our minds, then my experience is equally valid to your experience. And it is rude and arrogant in this case to con- try to convince you that my experience is more valid than yours. That's degrading. It's narrow and it's judgmental. It's just not right. It's not the way to go. However, Christianity is not experience-based. It's grounded in the life and teachings of a historical person, Jesus Christ. This, This is where it's grounded. We just looked at a very compassionate conversation that Jesus had with his closest followers about uh, heaven and trying to assure them of their track to, to heaven, that he's the path. He's the way. So Jesus' life and teaching put Christianity in the realm of truth over experience. That, that's what you find. That's the category where it goes. It's not that Christ's followers don't have deep emotions uh, and experiences connected with following Christ, worshiping Christ. It's that his teaching, the Bible, the word of God, gives the framework for evaluating all experience. That, that's what you find in Christianity. Christianity was founded by a person in history. So in saying that he's the only way, Christians are really just 
saying what he said. <laughs> it's, it's not arrogant. It's a matter of loyalty to the one we follow. So it's, it's a whole other category. A common belief is that all religions are basically the same. When you strip them down to the fundamentals, they all teach the same things. That's, that's a, I've heard that often in my ministry, in my life. You know, basically, they, they all say the same thing. They're, they're, they're so similar. And, and major world religions have things in common when it comes to beliefs about morality and ethics and values of the sort. For instance, all of the major world religions have a golden rule. Jesus' golden rule was, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. All, all the other religions, it's in the negative. Don't do anything to anyone else that you wouldn't want them to do to you. So it's a little different. Jesus actually was a lot more proactive in his golden rule. But they all have a golden rule. It might surprise you to know that Christianity is not primarily about morality and ethics. It is not primarily about morality. You, you can't just put it in the, the category of morality and ethics this is not the heart of it. This is not where it goes. Since Christians follow the teaching of Jesus, we must measure the similarity of religions based on what he said. So we have to look at what he said. And this is where we see irreconcilable differences. There, there are differences that you just, you just can't bring together. Every other leader of the major world religions says, follow me and I will show you the way of salvation. I will show you the way uh, to eternal life or to whatever end that particular religion believes in. In, in Buddhism, it's nothingness. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, follow me and I will show you the way. Jesus says, I am the way to salvation. Very, very different. Other religions are man trying to reach God, or they're trying to reach the ultimate end. Jesus is God reaching down to us to connect with us. You probably know the story of the prodigal son that Jesus told in Luke 15. It's a famous Bible story, and it's iconic in our culture. It's, it's referenced often. You know, I'm, I'm a prodigal. I'm sorry. I got off track. You know, I blew it. I'm a prodigal. Very famous story. There's also a Buddhist prodigal son story, and it highlights the difference. The two stories illustrate the major difference between Christianity and really all other religions. In the Buddhist story, you know, each son goes off and they, they're rebellious and they go in wild living. In the Buddhist story, when the son returns after the period of rebellion, he has to work the penalty off. By spending years and years in servitude. In Jesus' story, when the prodigal turns and comes back, his father opens his arms and forgives in a very gracious way. Undeserved grace and forgiveness. That's the heart of Christianity. At the heart of Christianity is Jesus teaching that God loves us. And he makes a way to forgive us of our sin 
to the point that he stepped into the world to die for our sins, to take the punishment on himself. That is very, very different than any other religion that's out there. If you take the heart out of something, it doesn't survive. You, you take the heart out of Christianity and it has no power. So I've seen a lot of people come around Church of the Valley over the years and, and they really love what's going on. They enjoy the people. But something's keeping them from giving their heart to the Lord, to Jesus, to God. So they'll try for a while to just follow along. It's so good around here. You know, I just love that. I'm just going to be good. I'm just going to, the people seem to be good people, you know, and I'm just going to try. And, but if you don't give yourself to the heart of it, there is no power to be different. This is the heart of it. This is the core of what it means to follow Christ. Other religions don't have the power of God's grace and forgiveness to help you change. That is a major difference. All the other religions, if you look at the, uh, there's an extra handout in your program. Uh, all of the other religions are external. They're, the solution is, is what you do. Uh, to make it happen. You can see the God concepts are very different. Under the, the uh, row, uh, God's man's problem, uh, Hinduism, you don't really exist, you just think you exist. Buddhism, suffering produces, is produced by desires. Christianity, here's the problem, sin which separates from God, we're under condemnation and we're unable to remedy it. In Islam, we please Allah by... Uh, adequate beliefs and behavior. All of those are external except for Jesus because it's an internal decision that you have to make. Here's the solution. The other, and I'm going to let you read this for yourself on your own, but the other religions, it's by doing something. In Christianity, it's by submitting to God and being forgiven based on what Christ has done, his death for sins and walk with God through life. That, that's the solution right there. That's a major difference. Some, some huge differences. Uh, what makes Christianity different? I've got four things on your listening guide. First of all, a triune God. You can see that on the chart that's there uh, provided. You can see the difference. Uh, what is taught about God in religions is very different. If it's based on truth, not experience, that matters. Second, uh, Christianity has a historical root and validation. There are events in both the Old and New Testament that can be investigated and validated historically through archaeology and other things. Other religions are based on teaching and not on events so much in this way. Third, uh, Christianity has a resurrected leader with historical testimony to that. We've been talking about that. We looked at that last week. And then four, this is important. In Christianity, there's a human humility. Man can't fix his own situation. In all the other religions, people do what they have to do to fix the situation. In Christianity, you can't fix the predicament you're in. I can't either. God did that for us in the person of Jesus Christ. 
And this is the sticking point, I believe. When people come around, they start hearing about Christ. They, they, they start pursuing a relationship with him. There's a major barrier between knowing what's going on, seeing what God does in the lives of people, and giving your own heart to follow him. You can't fix it yourself. You have to admit that you're, you're needing God's help. And that's the human humility. That is distinctive in Christianity. And it's really at the heart of what it's all about. It's God fixing our situation for us and giving our lives to follow him and trusting him for, with what he's done. This all means that a person can't say all religions are basically the same thing. They aren't. They aren't basically the same. Some people think, well, they're just you know, different versions of the same thing in different languages and different cultures, different parts of the world. In truth, there are major differences between them. It's not accurate to say also that Christians are narrow-minded and arrogant for believing that Jesus is the only way. It's a matter of loyalty. Now, that, that probably sounds defensive, and maybe it is. I don't know. But that's not, that's not where the heart of it's coming from, because to, to become a believer, if you, if you hang on to that thought all the way through, you get more and more humble over time as you follow the Lord Jesus, who is ultimately humble. And so it's a matter of loyalty to him. I heard this illustration that I think is helpful at this point. I'm just going to share it as we get ready to wrap up. Imagine there are two clubs. Could be country clubs, whatever. The first club only admits people who earn their membership. Uh, To join it, you've got to obtain superior wisdom You've got to fulfill a long list of demands somehow. You've got to obtain a certain level of spiritual advancement. You go through cycles of reincarnation or, or whatever it is. That's, that's the first club. That, that represents other religions, the major religions. The second club represents Christianity. Membership is offered to anybody who wants it because Jesus has already paid for your membership. He's already paid the price. Rich or poor, all colors and backgrounds, it's open to everybody. The doors are wide open to this club. Which one of those is more exclusive? I want to encourage you to pursue Christ. And these questions are important questions, and you have to work them out for your themselves. You can't just do a Google search and hit the button and you know go to a web page that's going to explain it for you. You've got to give your heart to this. You've got to decide, I'm going to try to figure this out for myself. I want to encourage you to do that. Make a decision about Jesus' identity. You have to, to move Christianity out of the category of experience into the category of truth and history and reality and decide whether or not Jesus is real. That's what it takes to make a good decision in this area. Well, investigating this way, ask God to speak to you. Ask him to show you that he's alive and that he's real. And I I know he will begin to speak. If you're a believer, there's no need to be afraid of the questions. There really is not. There are solid answers. And we don't need to be afraid to share the gospel. And 
we don't need to be afraid to try to introduce people to Jesus Christ. He, he's real. He was a real person. He actually died, was buried, was raised from the dead. We can be confident as we pray for people, as we ask him to help, and in sharing with others that he's alive and working. So let's take that away with us today, if you would, and pursue him. I, I hope that all of us would. As I wrap up the message today, I'd like to ask you, if you would, to take out the connection card that's in your program. There are a couple of steps that you could take as a result, or you may have a step of your own that you'd like to take after hearing the message. But um, I'd like to ask you, if you would, to take this time to finish completing any information on the connection card that you haven't had an opportunity to do so yet. And then here's a couple steps. Check out the insert this week and read through the chart. Just consider what that means for whether or not all religions could lead to the same place. And then on the back of the chart, uh, there are some resources, some books that are very helpful. So what's the difference by Fritz Rittenauer, Jesus Among the Other Gods, and Christ Among Other Gods. These are very helpful books. You could read those if you're interested. And then a second step would be to pray for boldness. If you already are following Jesus Christ, you you need to get the answers yourself because they roll around and they keep us from moving forward in our walk with God. But pray for boldness, compassion, and gentleness in introducing others to Jesus Christ. Those are two steps you could take. You may have one that God's laid on your heart as well. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth that we see in your word, for the way that you help us uh, in coming to know you, and that you'll be faithful to show yourself to us, God. I pray for each of us here that we would pursue you if we if we don't believe, I pray that we'd pursue investigating you and trying to figure out if you really are who you said. And if we do believe that we would get the answers to these questions so that we could be more confident in walking with you and in sharing with those around us, Lord. We, we ask for your help in this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.